0: well good morning everyone let's just bow our heads lord we just thank you that we we gather here in the name of jesus we don't just say that we mean it with all our hearts we thank you that as we come we can come in anticipation and excitement not in presumption to know that in fact you do speak into our hearts only you can go where the soul and spirit meets in our hearts only you can bring revelation revelation Only you can change lives. And we ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would take what is to be read and said, you would minister where only you can go where the soul and spirit meets. We ask now, even now, that hearts would be soft to receive. ears wide open to hear, and that you would take your glory, for we ask it in the name that is above every other name, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was a little boy... One of the fruits I really loved was an orange. I loved an orange. But there was a problem. We didn't have all the fancy stuff that peels oranges these days. But we used to have to peel the orange. We used to have to take it off. And it, it wasn't so easy for a little kid. And sometimes that's stuff, that's as you're peeling and you get it on your fingers and you rub your eyes, and it, 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 it's not pleasant. But peeling the orange wasn't so great, but it opened up and the orange was fantastic. And I just want to tell that to you in advance, because I'm going to deal with a little bit of an orange uh, here this morning. I'm going to first peel it, and we just uh, bear with me while I peel it uh, before we go into the beautiful part of the orange, all right. We all know that God is awesome, God is in charge. He set everything up and built into the systems of biblical principles. Biblical principles are absolute, they work, whether you are a believer or an unbeliever, they work, they work. Biblical principles are in the system and they work. Uh, God is in the discipline business, he's in the love business, he's in the grace business, he's in the mercy business, but he is also in the discipline business, he is a disciplinarian, uh, God is in the respect business. God is in the obedience business. They're all mighty parts of what he is. His character and traits, as may, maybe in modernly we would like to say. God is all those things at the same time, all at the same time. So he is in, is a disciplinarian. He's in the respect business. He's in the obedience business. I think in this modern day and age, and dare I say it, uh, that our idea of freedom would be nothing short of anarchy and rebellion in God's sight. But dare I say that, I can say that at Harvest here. I hope you don't pass that on to anybody else. Uh, It is uh, modern freedom would be nothing short of anarchy and rebellion. But God is a disciplinarian. We don't like these and um, all the other things, but God is a disciplinarian. Important in what I'm going to share. God is also immutable, which means he doesn't change. He doesn't have to change. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't have to say sorry. So God is immutable. God is also absolutely meticulous. When you look at the temple details and the genealogies and all that, God is absolutely meticulous. And we know that as everything has been meticulous up to now, God is meticulous to the end as well so everything is in order his real church is alive and well and nothing is going to take him by surprise it might take you by surprise it might take me by surprise it might take the eldership by surprise but it doesn't take God by surprise and it's wonderful to know that God is also a jealous God And the jealousy involves us. If you love him and you're part of the family, he's jealous of you, which is a protective issue. God is also a consuming fire. God wants you. He wants everything that you are. All God wants from every one of us is everything. And maybe we don't like to hear that, but that is the truth. This is all the the peel of the orange, that all these things are absolute. God, too, knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows that there are some good parts of us. Uh, Dare I say that? Uh, Because uh, Jesus said he wasn't so sure about how much good was actually necessary in us, even though he never got cynical and he died for us. But God knows, too, that we are stubborn and we are rebellious. And we tend only to learn the hard way. And that the best and effective way of learning, the best institution of all, would be the school of hard knocks. There's no question about that. And dare I again say it, God is the principal of that school, he's the rector of that school, and he's the dean of that school. So it's all part of the system. Hassles, we all have hassles. There are regularly hurdles and hassles. All things work to the good for those that love the Lord. We don't always like to hear that, but they are. I believe there are four categories of hassles. The first category is that sin reaps consequences. It's an absolute sin reaps consequences. You do something sinful, there's consequences. You are in a position to be forgiven. God in His mercy and His love will forgive you, but the consequences, you reap the consequences. That's one category. The second category is the devil's normal business. He would be without a job if he wasn't allowed to uh, create hassles and make life difficult for us all, especially those who love the Lord. So there is the category of the devil's normal business. He applies his trade in that. The third category is what God allows. God allows things to happen He allows things to happen because they are part of the pruning process. It's a part of the pruning process. If we look at poor old Job, we understand uh, part of the pruning process. That was a long, long process, and God was in it. In fact, God handed him over, and we see fantastic consequences in the last couple of verses of the book of Job. But all in between, we see uh, God has allowed a pruning process, and certainly it did in the long run benefit Job while he didn't particularly appreciate it while he was going through it. That's the third category, and the fourth category is our own stupidity. Uh, there is a category of our own stupidity. We all do stupid things and we reap the consequences of it. And those you can't even blame the devil or God or anybody else. It's just that we all can do stupid things. So what we do understand, and it's important for us to understand that we do understand, is that there are spiritual consequences for sin and for godlessness. They are absolute Let me tell you that innocent blood, the Bible tells us that the shedding of innocent blood pollutes the land. Uh, That's a problem when we have 50 murders a day in South Africa, that pollutes the land and nobody's going to take that away. It happens on an ongoing basis. 50 people will get murdered today, maybe more or less depending upon, I don't know what Difference it makes whether it's the weekend or not. But innocent blood uh, reaps consequences. Abortions cause problems. They are. We don't want to hear that, but it doesn't even matter if the the pastor or the elders want to forgive you for your abortion. There are consequences because ultimately everything stands before God. Uh, Rape is a problem. Fornication is a problem, even though it is our national sport. Uh, rape, uh, fornication is a problem. Adultery is a problem. Sexual perversion is a problem. Pornography is a problem. The sex sins are special sin. Uh, again, I'm not preaching about that, that uh, but it's all part of the peel. Uh Witchcraft, uh, we don't want to know the extent of witchcraft in this country. It is a huge, huge problem. And it's no good just saying it's out there, we don't want to hear it, it is born. Ancestral worship is a huge, huge problem. It's in our country, and it is there, it's all. You see, all godless, evil abominations reap retribution. In the book of Romans, it tells us that as we look around us, we shouldn't have any problem because from the things we see, we should know that there is a God. You actually don't even need the preacher, but man thinking himself so wise, we decide to do our own thing. We don't really need, maybe we have God for the weekend. Maybe we just get God to to tick what we want to do in our businesses and that, and we rather apply it that way. So because we are that way inclined, God has handed us over to the consequences of our godlessness, so that hopefully as we reap those consequences, we will turn from our wicked ways and come back to Him. You see, the beautiful part of it all is that everything, if we understand it, every part of the process brings us to Him. If we understand it and we, we come to the right conclusions in understanding it and experiencing it. God allows and uses, dare I say again, evil agents for pruning and judgment. The Babylonians and the Assyrians. God used the Babylonians and the Assyrians. They were part of God's retribution plan. You must be joking. But they were. They were part. Nebuchadnezzar was his tool. God's plan for his people, exile and banishment. Yes, it was God's process, and it was a plan for his people. And his prophets spoke about it time and time again. And the prophets spoke, and the people didn't listen. The one way that you can recognize a true prophet is that nobody listens to them. Uh, that is the way it is, and nothing has actually changed. We we listen to the prophets that say the things that we want to hear, but the truth we don't want to. I mean, there they spoke about what was going to happen to them, exile and banishment, and then God, still, uh, through the prophets, says, don't run away. Serve them, that it may go well with you. And he even said, if you flee to Egypt, says God through his prophet, your worst fears will follow you. If you run away from Nebuchadnezzar and you run away from the Assyrians, your worst fears will follow you. All part of the peel of the orange. But it is the truth. You see, it was God who brought the judgment. God is in the judgment business. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter if modernly we have decided to declare that doctrine invalid. It is the truth. It is there. It's in the system and it is not going to go away. It is in there. God promises his peace. He does not promise the peace of the world. He promises his peace. Jesus didn't come to die on the cross to fix up the world. Otherwise, the world would be fixed. He died on the cross to restore the spiritual link. And God says, I am with you, I will never leave you. I am with you, I will never leave you. Jacob, I love. If you are Jacob, I love you despite all the stuff. Out there, and you need to recognize the stuff out there. You don't need to deny it because when you love me, you can see it, and you can cope with it, and you don't have to go into denial. It's all out there, and it's getting worse day by day. In John 17, Jesus prayed. He prayed for his church. He prayed us. He says that I pray not for this world. I pray for. Mine, I pray for those that you have given me, Father. I pray for those that are going to get saved. I pray for unity, I pray for all those things. I pray for protection. and all those prayers were answered the whole lot. But I pray not for this world. Psalm 91 tells us that evil abounds, but you're OK. It doesn't matter that there's 10,000 out there. It doesn't matter. And there will be 10,000 out there. That's not going to be fixed up. But me, you are okay. Because it's all about me. He is not in the nation's business. He's not about fixing up nations. He doesn't promise ease and comfort. God is more interested in his kingdom, his people, his sheep, Their character, not their comfort. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thy rod and thy staff. We can spend a whole sermon on the rod and the staff. And they all things that they are part. And they don't, rod and staff doesn't suggest for any any reason that that's an easy way for you and me. Thy rod and thy staff, whatever they might be, they comfort me. Note well. All I'm trying to say, and I'm getting to the end of the skin of the orange. One thing, absolutely, things are not good, and things are not going to get better. Hallelujah. The good news is that the bad news is good news. No question. I don't know how many times I've said that. So the good news is Trump and Brexit and all that stuff. Hallelujah. You turn it on and you can. Hallelujah. But we battle with that. Humanly, we battle with that. You can say, Mr. Preacher, it's lovely to hear you say that and that, and it sounds very good on Sunday morning, but it doesn't please me so much. I don't like it. And I, I, I said that before the Lord as I prepare for today. Give me some good news now. Yes, we know that that's, that's the bad news that's actually good news. But give me some good news. I want some good news for this morning. I want to bring them some good news. You know what I mean. The good, good news. How about some good news? And I really believe God said to me, read Daniel. Read about Daniel. Preach about Daniel. I need Daniels. So listen, now I'm going to read. I'm going to read to you because we've taken the skin away now. Now we're getting down to the orange. And it's liquor. The orange is liquor. Daniel chapter 6, reading from verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps weren't so pleased. They sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors and satraps have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Daniel, he knelt knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled, found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes this petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. But these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and the Persians. That no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of the lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now the king, he didn't sleep that night. He arose early the next morning and went in haste to the den of lions. Daniel! Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him, and also, O king, I have done, done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel out of the den, and the king gave command... And they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. Them, their children and their wives and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they even came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one that shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Lord, give us some good news. Read Daniel. The good news is Daniel. How come, Lord, how? Because then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. It had nothing more to do with anyone other than Daniel. History didn't change but Daniel was there. Daniel was there. You know, we look and we analyze, and it's very difficult in this day and age to be a Christian or a man of God, because it is indeed a godless world. And we look and he had godless situation there. And we look in history and it was godless. We didn't see a change. Because of Daniel, there wasn't a change in what happened around there. But Daniel was there. And we need to know and understand that Daniel, not his team or anything, Daniel was there. And there was Nebuchadnezzar, and there was Belshazzar, and there was Darius, and there were pagans. And he spent 69 years in that set of circumstances. And it was Daniel with an excellent spirit that was in him. It wasn't his church, it wasn't anything else, it was Daniel. And an excellent spirit was in him. It was a success story, and you and I in this day and age, we would take success stories and we would want to analyze it, and we say, well, how did he do it? How was it possible that he achieved all these things? And you know the route we would go, was it the right food that he ate? We know if you read the whole of Daniel. Was it the right food? Vegetables? He didn't eat the oily, rich stuff? Was it his noble birth, royal birth, because he was? He was born in that particular arena. Was it his brains, because he was selected, because he was a clever guy? Was it his good looks, because he was that? Was it his ability to interpret dreams? Was it his ministry? Was it his conscience? Was it his conviction was it the fact that he survived tests or that his friends had been through the fire or that he was in the lion's den was it his gutsy political stances was it the fact that he openly defied authority was it his ability to read the writing on the wall was it his super insight was it his eschatology Was it his end time theology? Was it his revelation? Friends, that's how humans analyze it. We draw conclusions. And sadly, they are unspiritual, religious, intellectual, humanistic conclusions. You see, they might be interesting and stimulating and absorbing. But they are utterly useless, spiritually speaking. Because this man of God, this Christian, this believer in a godless world, there was one verse that summarily and simply explained it all. An excellent spirit was in him. He knew God and God used him. He had integrity. And, you know, we love to talk about integrity, and we like it when other people want to commend us for our integrity. And we all have our different sort of explanations or uh, uh, interpretations of what integrity is. But the Bible has a definition of integrity. Mark chapter 12, verse 14. This guy says to Jesus, Teacher, We know you are a man of integrity because you are not swayed by men, because you pay no attention to who they are, but you also teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, his word. So there in the Bible, they are summing up for us a definition of integrity. A man of integrity is a man who is not swayed by men and pays no attention to who they are, And he teaches the way and lives the way according to the word of God. That is the Bible's definition of a man of integrity. D.L. Moody. He says, Work as if everything depended on you. Pray knowing that it all depends upon God. And friends... The important issue in this day and age, and it's never been more important in this day and age, is to understand it's not any of those other things. It is about God Almighty, the awesomeness of God, availability only in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and by the power of His Holy Spirit. And it's the only thing that works. It's the only thing that works. Some things that you do might not contaminate you. And you're saying might think that they're okay, but the fact that you believe in them is the sin. So what did they do? They didn't have an answer to this man. And they're all the leaders. So they had to trump up a religious charge, and that happens. That happens over and over and again. And we will see that in this day and age, as we go down the final straight, there will be trumping up of religious charges all over the place, especially even in the church. There will all be arguments about religion. And we see it. Religion is a curse. Religion is our interpretation of what we think God says we must do. a divisive dogma and you find that the ultimate price to be paid down that particular route is martyrdom that is dare I say it the ultimate price and the ultimate witness I remember many years ago I was involved with the promise keepers and I went over to America for a while and I was in a place called Pittsburgh and they had a, a men's meeting the promise keepers used to meet Friday and Saturday and over that period, they always had seven speakers and they had seven subjects. And one of the subjects that they always used to speak about was unity. They had this one guy speaking on unity, a well-known guy, a television personality, a guy, a well-known preacher. And he got up and his, his subject for the day was unity. And he, and he spoke about unity for about 40, 45 minutes. And then he asked 65, 70,000 men to pray this prayer with him. He was a well educated man. He was a teacher. And he asked us to pray with him and he prayed this prayer. He said, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me and others like me who, through our great learning, have done nothing but divide your church. Who, through our great learning, have divided. The church, intellectual humanity dividing the church, great learning, dogma has divided the church. We need to know that, see that doesn't say that we're there, but we need to know that because that's what's going on out there, it's there. It's not got believing that it's not there because it is out there. Daniel was arrested praying. I wonder how many of us would be arrested praying. I wonder. When someone was sharing with me about his problems and I said to him, yeah, how, do you, how long do you pray each day and And you know, we ended up with the conclusion that if you take up, and this is what I said to him, if you add all the minutes that he prays every day and the minutes that he reads his Bible and divides them in the minutes available in the day, he ended up with a 0.00 percentage. And it was there. You see, I don't think we've come to know and believe that our fellowship with God, and please don't get me wrong, the major source, the major feeding point of the, of the well is that time on your own with him. We don't want to hear that because that's the hardest time to implement. It's nice to be in fellowship and do all these things and convince ourselves that that is time with the Lord. That's time with the believers. How's your time with the Lord? Fasting. Preacher, don't go there, don't push it. Prayer. Prayer isn't a prayer meeting or a prayer that you might say. Prayer is an attitude of life. It's a way of life. Daniel. That's where Daniel was. And in that process he knew. And it's just lovely what comes through there, you know. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they had been subjected to the fire his three friends and before they went into the fire the king or someone said to them may your God rescue you and you know how they responded they said well maybe he will but whether he does or not makes no difference He's God it doesn't matter whether we come out of the fire or not he is God. He is God Almighty. Maybe he does, but even if he doesn't. Like the great challenge of faith is Habakkuk 3. I mean, Habakkuk went there to the, to the, uh, to the Lord, and, and, and he said, Lord, do you know what's going on? And God says, you ain't not seen nothing yet. And he ends up with a fantastic statement of faith, though there are no olives and meat and milk and no nothing yet will I praise the Lord. Job, though he slay me, yet will I praise the Lord. Daniel's gifts, they weren't just the church gifts. And he brought them into the pagan king's household. We think of Joseph. Joseph, the same things The things that he went through. Joseph, He had two years when he was in prison and heard from nobody. All to an end. Nehemiah. All to an end. When Joseph was in prison, they came and he said he only got out of prison because someone said, you know, that guy, he interprets dreams. So they had him before the Pharaoh. He says, I believe you interpret dreams. He said, no, wrong. I don't. God does. You see, in all those things, there was never, never any question. And friends, it's a challenge for us in this day and age because we get caught up and we associate success with all the other things. But they say, but God, but Jesus, it's Jesus and Jesus. And it's not a freaky preacher who's saying that. We think that's just being rabid, that's being fanatical? There's only one Christian and that's a radical Christian because you've got to be rooted in Jesus. You've got to expect opposition and persecution. You know that holiness stirs hate in unregenerate man. Holiness is separation unto God. Holiness is recognized. Man hates it. And there's a response from man always. Always. And when you're getting the response of man, you should say, Hallelujah, because they are recognizing the holiness. I've been very privileged to be to travel to Australia for years and years and years. I think my next visit will be about my thirtieth. And I want to tell you a great and effective doors open there, but many adversaries as well. They're coupled on the tote. One goes hand in hand with the other. It's almost a fruit of holiness to know that you are going to have a And maybe we don't preach that these days. We don't want to hear that sound. Get involved in all the triumphalism. And then we accuse the devil of being the triumphalist. Daniel, there was no compromise. Worldly compromise and powerlessness are inseparably linked in the Christian walk. The more that you have compromised your Christian walk to the worldly value system, the less power you will have. And power is not signs and wonders and ministries because we always allude to that and it isn't that. There are some godless places that are seen to be very successful in the church world and they are godless. Daniels will be persecuted but not manipulated. Honor me and I will honor you. Daniels was the real God. I I wonder if you remember that film. I think it was called Moses. It was one of those long, you almost had to, as, as kids when I first saw Moses, I think I was still a kid because it would go on later. I think I had to sleep in the afternoon so that my mother said, you stay awake for the whole show. It was one of those early films that had an intermission. And you gets a bit of popcorn to rejuvenate yourself for the second half. But I remember there in, in that Moses film, your uh, Brunner, he played I think it was Ramesses. and uh, they'd had this thing where now they'd gone through the the, the, the sea, and uh, the, the sea had swamped all the Egyptian soldiers and the whole army. And though I wasn't a, a, a Christian in those days, I, I, I was uh, theoretically one. But I'll never forget, because Rameses had a wife who was an nag. Nye, 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 nye. And, and I know that was, uh, we don't have a lot of those around these days. But it was nye, nye, nye. And, and she was nye, nye, nyeing him about Moses. Uh, he didn't want, you know, you're going to get into trouble when you play around too much with Moses. And it was along that line. So he's now lost his whole army. He's lost everything. He's watched them disappear. He gets home. He's sitting on his throne, all disconsolate, and he's there, and he's really down and dejected. And Nenene comes in, and looks almost like Sowei. You know, I told you so. But I never forget. And it was like it. I'm overdramatizing it a little bit there, uh, just for f- effect. But the response, I'll never forget the response from Ramesses from Jolbrunner. Because I didn't know his Rameses. I had to look that up. But I knew it was your Brunner. And his response was to what he had seen. He, said, he just said, there's is the real God. Or something to that effect. And I remember that left. Theirs is the real God. I've just seen the real God in action. That's the real God. You see the challenges. it's black and white living in, in a gray world. That's what we call to. It's a working faith. It's not an idle faith. We call to blossom in our gifts and ministries. God can cope with all those things as long as, like Daniel, God is awesomely placed at number one and there's no contending for that position. Absolutely and utterly. And we need to be coerced to understand that that is a dynamic. Of the Christian walk and it's a dynamic that's not preached enough you are where you choose to be the Holy Spirit isn't going to do what you don't want to do and we need to hear that you need to be committed to the end because God has ordained it that way our skills and our talents. You know, Christianity isn't a schizophrenic thing, and I I use the word advisedly because that's a sickness we don't want to really talk about. But uh, it's it's not separate. You don't have a Christian walk and, and, and a worldly walk. Your spiritual lives are not extra. Your spiritual lives are not for show. The most important part of your spiritual life is when you're on your own, not when you're showing off to everybody else. A spiritual life and your spiritual witness has nothing to do with what you do or the good works you do or how the world has acclaimed you. Those things are dangerous. They really are dangerous and we need to see them in that context. It's ongoing. It's every day and it's bearing fruit. Sanctification works. When the Holy Spirit is in you, it works. It really does. I've explained this. Excuse the, the, the circumstances of the explanation or the analogy. But you know, before, before you're saved, you're worldly, you go and sit in a pub, and someone says something that you don't like, So you give them a clock. And they end up on the floor, you give them a kick. And then you justify it even as you're driving home. I didn't give him enough kicks. I didn't break his ribs. Then you get saved. Holy Spirit is now, now I'm talking about genuinely saved. You're genuinely saved. Because there is the pseudo you get genuinely saved. Jesus is Lord of your life. The Holy Spirit is now indwelling in your life. You've been that for about a year and you end up in the pub. Bad example. But you're in the pub because the church has told you that you can go into the pub and save the people in the pub. So, so, so you, you're drinking Cokes. Uh, but, you're in, but the same guy comes to you. He says the same thing and your first response uh, is to give him a clap, and, and, and you do. But after you've given him a clap, this little voice says to you, Hey, you shouldn't have done that. You need to apologize. Now, that doesn't appeal to us at all. So you say, Sorry. So you apologize. So that's Three years later, you are now progressing, you've been sanctified, you end up in the pub. Bad example again, but we're in the pub. Uh, This time, I don't know why you're giving someone a lift or something, but you're in the pub. Meet the same guy. He says the same thing. Your first response is to give him a clap, but before you do, a little voice says, don't do that. And you listen. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit's working in your life. And that's the sort of Holy Spirit that really pleases me. You can come and get caught up on all the manifestations and that and fool yourself and the world. But when I see change, I want to tell you that's the greatest blessing that I've had in my years in the ministry. You say to me, give me all the highlights. I'll tell you what the highlights are. The highlights are to see people who were blind who now see. And I see touch there. That's it. That is the beginning and the end of it all. The awesomeness of God. You see, it's not elitist super spirituality. That's a problem. It's not about secret agents either. We serve in and through our talents and areas of influence. We love God and we serve God. There's no greater privilege and we're giving our all in this arena and we understand that we are not confused at any, at any turn. That we are servants of the living God and we know him and we know that we are Jacob. And we know that we are loved of him. And we don't have to be rah 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 every week because we know in whom we believe. giving our all in our areas of influence. We're all different. We all have different talents and fingerprints. Let me tell you something, and there's unity. Do you know why there's unity? Because God prayed for the unity. The Lord Jesus prayed for the unity, and we are unified, whether you want to believe it or not. And the unity in the real unity in the, in, in, in the spirit and the unity, the real unity in, in the church, is a salad, it's not a stew. A stew, you just put everything together and you mush it together and you eat it and finally it gets a a, a special taste, but it's just one color. In a salad, you see all the different parts and it tastes fantastic, but you see the pineapple there and you see the orange there and you see all those things. And that's how God unifies us. We retain our personalities. We retain who we are because God has ordained it. We retain, he doesn't change our fingerprints, we still got the same ones, unless you get too old where they disappear. And it's not unity of agreement or common cause because that's the only unity we have in the world and sadly I see it in the church that the only unity we can have is we have agreement and common cause and we go to meetings to agree and be of common cause. It's a far, far greater thing. The end of the tale of two cities. I mean, it starts with the best of times and the worst of times at the start. And the book ends up by saying, it's a far, far greater thing. And it is. I'm sure you'd like to do something for God, but better you do everything. You know, when we look at, 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 um, at Daniel, he was a victor. It wasn't victory in the lion's den. It was a victor in the lion's den because there wasn't a whole victory over those people. There was a victor. A testimony. Because it didn't change history. No compromise. In Daniel 1 8 it talks to us, Daniel did not defile himself with the king's meat or wine. He was taken captive with thousands of his countrymen. What they saw shocked them. It was immoral. It was a godless country. And Daniel refused to be part of it. He stood for God alone. He was a lone voice in his time. It was an excellent spirit in him. He spent time in the secret place. And friends, What an incredible privilege it is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to come to grips with the truth of that because the Holy Spirit will illumine that for us. If the Holy Spirit is truly working in your life, it will illumine that because you will understand that it is all about Jesus. One day, every one of us is going to come to grips with this truth. And this truth is that at the end of it all, we will see that despite all the things we did here in life, Down here on earth, there was only one thing of any consequence, and that was Jesus Christ. It it wasn't the, the religion. It wasn't necessarily the church and things. But please don't get me wrong. I'm not undermining the church and those resources. I'm just saying, never ever let us forget that it is all about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only issue. Paul didn't serve a cause. He served Jesus Christ. He served the person of Jesus Christ. The the church needs to understand that. And what the church needs, the real church needs, is Daniel's. The mystery. The great mystery as they asked Paul and he, he eventually said to them, the mystery of it all is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That special excellent spirit that is in you. There is no more excellent spirit when you are born again. And it's the only thing that counts. Whether you have highs or lows thereafter are not the issues. And even if they are lows, God will take them and He will use them to His glory and to the enhancement of your character in Him. Because He is in charge. And friends, we need to believe it. We need to be, and not just talk about a victory victory In the lion's den. We need to talk about a victor in the lion's den. Are you a victor in the lion's den? And that's my challenge to you this morning. Are you a victor? You personally, forget about everyone else. Are you a victor in the lion's den? It is a lion's den because he's roaring all the time. He's out there roaring. Are you a victor in the lion's den? Let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for this time, every head that's bowed. I thank you for Daniel. I thank you for the story. I thank you for the truth. I thank you only you can dispense the truth. Only you can dispense your grace. Only you can dispense your love. It's all about you. It's not about worshipping your attributes. It's about you Jesus and we thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit you bring that truth we can preach it we can articulate it but it's you who enhances that truth as you minister into our hearts and I pray Lord that you have ministered here this morning profoundly and deeply I thank you for your tangible presence in this place but I pray Lord that you have ministered and been allowed to minister because you have ordained that we will be where we choose even as we listen. We can choose to receive it or not. And I pray, Lord, that there have been receptive hearts here this morning to say, yes, yes, Jesus, I hear you. I thank you. I thank you that you challenge me. I thank you that you expose me to understanding what is around. And we thank you, Lord, it doesn't matter how bad it is because none of it ever tarnishes how good you are. In fact, the worse it is out there, the more it enhances your glory and your awesomeness. It is separated. Holiness is separation unto you. Lord, I pray that you have challenged us. I thank you that even as we look at the orange, you can take the peel off, but inside that orange, I thank you for the sweetness, the sweetness of the natural sweetness. An aroma of God Almighty, God Awesome, in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And as our heads are bowed, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for two categories. First of all, I want to pray for those who know and believe that they are Daniels in this place. For those who know and believe that they are Daniels, I want you to stand up. All those who know and believe they are Daniels. So I want you to stand up. So I want to pray for you. You don't have to be modest. If you believe it, you can stand up. If you believe it. And I also want those who want to be Daniels. Those who want to believe and be Daniels. Those who want to lay all before the Lord and say, I want to be Daniel. I want to walk out of here this morning never to be there. If that's what you want, I want you to stand up to. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all who are standing I thank you, Lord, that you have challenged the great majority. And Lord, it's not about hands or even standing, because only you know the sincerity and the honesty of the hearts. And I pray, Lord, that all this standing up, those that are upstanding, represent totally and utterly the truth of every one of those lives, or the truth of the desires of every one of those lives. And Father, in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that none of these people will ever be the same, even to what extent that they have come to this, here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done in their lives up to now. But I pray that it is infinitesimal by comparison to what you have in store with every one of these lives. I pray for that, that even they will be amazed, Lord, that even they will be amazed at what you do with people that are totally, utterly sold out to you. I pray, Lord, that this would be the desire of their hearts, that they mean it with all their hearts, and I pray that they would be. They will finally all be self-fulfilling prophecies about their own lives. I pray for that, Lord. I pray that they will be amazed. I pray that you would reveal yourself in the next month or so to every single one that they will know, that they will be excited I thank you, Lord, that they will come to the revelation of understanding that even out there the bad news is good news in the light of knowing you. I thank you. I thank you for that. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is as a two-edged sword. And only your word. And it's your word from your mouth. Lord, you would have various vehicles and, and various agents, but it's your word from your mouth by your spirit that makes the difference. It's not the claiming of the ministry. It's the performing of the ministry which only works in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence in this place, tangible presence in this place. I pray, Lord, that you have touch lives, you've spoken into lives. I pray that there's been a genuine, sincere response here this morning. And indeed, this place will never be the same again. I thank you that they are Daniels. And it's not the the, the, the the combined. We thank you for what the combined effect will be, the corporate effect will be. But I thank you, Lord, that it starts with you and I. And I pray, Lord, I pray that it starts with each and every one of us. And that we understand that. And we carry that forward. We will be where we choose to be. To you be all the honor and the glory. And Lord, I pray that as it corporately is glorified in your kingdom that indeed we will be salt and light. We will be that lighthouse. To you be all the honor and the glory, now and forever. Amen.